0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And you can support us on Patreon for exclusive audio content at the minimum rate of $1 per month at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer. I'm your aforementioned host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is frequent guest and contributing reviewer to ObsessiveViewer.com, Mr. Ben Sears. How's it going, Ben?
1: Wonderful. Good. How's it going?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. We just recorded a special Patreon thing where we talked about Tom Hanks and school and uh other stuff. Saved by the bell. Yeah. <laughs> randomly.
1: Um, it's all connected don't worry yes yes it all makes sense
0: very free association (laughs) Uh, well worth your dollar (laughs) Um, yeah so check that out at patreon.com slash obsessive
1: Matt's drinking his water yes very thirsty Uh,
0: I am thirsty AF (sighs) when the pandemic started I got a Brita filter and it has changed my life yeah so it's been very good used to
1: have one of those very
0: good to me yeah it's good stuff okay um so uh so yeah so today on the podcast we are going to be starting a new review series that (laughs) uh we had every intention of starting in like february
1: yeah something like that
0: yeah so i had pitched this to ben back in like february and then 2020 happened and hashtag then 2020. Hashtag 2020. And so now we're here and we're finally starting it. It is the Obsessive Viewer um, Ebert's Great Movies list challenge episode series, <laughs> review series, or something. <laughs> so the idea behind this uh, series of episodes for the Obsessive Viewer is that Ben and I and maybe other uh, friends of the show will dedicate an episode of the podcast to selecting each party to the podcast will select one movie from Roger Ebert's great movies list which I'll put a link to all that in the show notes and everything. And we will watch those movies and then talk about them on the podcast. So for this introductory one, which we'll get to the actual reviews in a bit, but just to introduce it, this introductory one, we are going to be covering uh, 1933's, Duck Soup with the Marx Brothers, and 1985's After Hours, directed by Martin Scorsese. So that is the kind of concept or the overall idea behind this episode series, but we'll talk more in depth about that, because we do have some housekeeping and some stuff to go through. Um, since this is the first Obsessive Viewer episode in quite a while, I want to say like within a month or just shy of 1 month. So the last episode was June 21st. Uh which featured you, Ben. Um how have you been since June 21st when we last uh heard your voice on the podcast waves?
1: Um yeah, about
0: the same. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> um so oh yeah, that's right. In the Patreon feed we talked about like the the title for the Patreon uh recording for that episode was um Episode 74 of the Patreon feed, OVB roll, Matt and Ben's (laughs) three-way.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs)
0: uh so yeah again you still gotta do that viewer yes yes okay now i'm remembering the context of it and like i got a little bit afraid when you said we still gotta do that (laughs) because i was like wait what am i committing to but yeah that does actually sound really good um so anyway um ben you have uh before we get into the nitty-gritty of this episode you have posted a couple of reviews in the interim since the last time you were on the show um do you want to kind of talk about
1: those a little bit like the movies that you have reviewed on the website sure i just did one friday for uh the new tom hanks movie greyhound uh it's on obsessive or not obsessive your uh apple tv Mm -hmm. yes we're not a
0: streaming platform (laughs) yet (laughs) not yet
1: still almost almost uh apple quality Apple uh, <laughs> sure
0: I don't know if that is a compliment to us or
1: a dig at them <laughs> well you have an Android phone so there you go <laughs> um, but yeah I, I wrote that one last week um, it's a it's a fine little war world war World War two movie mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Hanks kind of reminded me of nineteen seventeen mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of Dunkirk in some ways, but it just didn 't mm, didn't all come together like they did okay. and uh, I was kind of lukewarm to warm on nineteen seventeen so if that yeah. tells you anything. Uh, I think I gave it three stars in my review. That sounds about right um, uh, yeah, other than that, what did I do oh uh homemade yes yeah uh really fun um uh, series on netflix uh it's a collection of short films from different filmmakers around the world and i I was really uh really impressed with it it's uh all these different filmmakers, they work kind of on their own mostly mm-hmm. um, and write and direct and produce their own short films. Um, there's one from Kristen Stewart. Mm. There's one from uh, David McKenzie, who directed Hell or High Water. Oh, nice. There's one from Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one from... Um, Rachel Morrison, she was, uh, she's a cinematographer, if I remember right. Okay. Um, mm. and, uh, the director of, uh, Bend It Like Beckham, nice. she was in there too. Anyway, just, just a lot of really interesting voices around, mm. all around the world. And it's all about life during quarantine. Nice. And they all kind of tackle it in their own ways. Um, Kristen Stewart's was kind of about like mental illness. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's was kind of like a sci-fi kind of thing. Mm Uh, some of them did like a documentary kind of feel. Um, but it, it was really, really solid and you can watch, you know, you can watch one of them, you can watch all of them, any order you want, just kind of pop in as you want. And it's not, it's Surprisingly, it goes against the Netflix model of binging every single one of them, one after the <laughs> other. Um, but it, it was really great. I, I enjoy it. I would love to talk to someone about it, but no one else that I know has seen it. So, <laughs> yeah. If you send, if anyone out there has seen it, let's feel free to send me a message. Let me know what you think.
0: Yes, please do. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but yeah. I'm intrigued by it. And, uh, yeah. And check out Ben's review on Obsessive.com. I think
1: the shortest one was like four minutes. The okay. longest one was maybe 13. Yes. So it's, it's really not much time at all. Okay. I think the total of all of the episodes was a little under an hour and a half. So, okay. uh, just check it out. Sweet.
0: Um, and that reminds me. Um, I've been talking about this on the podcast for a while now. Have you watched, um, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson.
1: I have watched a couple episodes okay. of that I, uh, for whatever reason, haven't finished it, but yeah, the, the ones that I've seen, I've loved. Nice. They're great.
0: Yeah. I've, I've watched it like almost countless times at this point. <laughs> um, it's just it's so good. Yeah. Um it's so just out there and off the wall. Um but yeah. Um and then also speaking of shorts, uh the Indie Shorts International Film Festival yeah. is about to start. Um July 21st to July 26th uh this year. Uh the, sponsored by obviously it's from Heartland Film. Um uh, go to indieshorts.org. And uh, hashtag indie shorts twenty twenty. Um, so I haven't had a chance to really look through what all is in the uh, pipeline for this year. But uh, Ben, did you? Ha- how are you feeling about indie shorts? Because obviously they're doing kind of a um, a bit of a virtual thing now, and also the drive-in. Yes. Um, how are you feeling about indie shorts? And are you going to check anything out?
1: Yeah, I'm going to check out as much as I can. Um, I. Uh, you and I were both lucky enough to be part of the screening team mm-hmm. um, and we were talking before this about how we didn't unfortunately we didn't get to see as much as we would would have liked to but yeah. um, there was a, a decent portion of them that I did see that I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many of them actually made it to the final selections but um, there there's just a, a little bit of everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and they, they've they uh, blocked it off into different, like, programming blocks. So if you want to watch family-friendly shorts, you can watch – I think you – I don't know if you buy a separate ticket for each programming block or um, how that works, or if you can buy, like, an overall ticket. Um, yeah. But just – like I said, there's a little bit of everything for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm going through the guidebook now.
1: <laughs> I think there's there might even be a horror block as well, yes. right? Yes,
0: this is the first year that they are doing at both Indie Shorts and at Heartland Film in October. Okay. They're doing the Heartland Horror, um, which is super exciting because that because is – <laughs> I've talked about this on the podcast before, but last year they had um, In Fabric um, – And outside of the screening, um, I was hanging out with some, some of the guys from the IFJA and like who they, like a couple of them are the ones that are like helping curate the Heartland Horror segment of, of both festivals. And this lady came up and was like, Um, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. And my dad was a, was a projectionist. (laughs) So I've seen a lot of movies. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that's exciting. But there is one movie. I'm going through the guidebook and there's one short. Um, I think this might be in the high school film competition or in the Indiana, not Indiana spotlight. But anyway, um, it caught my eye because the title is Cat. Oh. And I'm very excited about that. And then I read the description, which it sounds, I mean, it sounds good. But basically, <laughs> uh it's a five-minute short film from Madeline White. The plot description is, Arriving home the morning after missing his daughter's birthday, a functioning alcoholic dad runs over the family cat. <laughs> in an attempt to hide the cat, he finds himself drowning in the pool. There, he watches the last minutes of his life unfold. Wow. So that sounds pretty interesting. Sign me up. Yes. And then there's another... um Let's see, so there there's a movie called Paradox that's an eight minute short film.
1: I think I screened that one. Oh nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. Writer and director Glenn A. Pratt. Uh the plot description is a man from the future visits a scientist and tells her she'll invent time travel. However, she must attract her future husband first. When things don't work, she learns what it means to be yourself before losing that future forever. I am super down for that. Or did you did you like that one?
1: Yeah, it's okay. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't my favorite of the ones mm. that I saw, but um uh yeah, you you should definitely check it out. Cause I think nice. that's uh that's an Indiana one, I think. I think so. So whether you like it or not, you should support your local filmmakers.
0: Nice. Nice. Um let's see. And yes, yeah, so, and they do have Heartland Horror, which has uh looks like three, four, five, six, seven, uh nine short films. So I'm super excited to check those out. So it's going to be a good, um, festival, I think. And God, I really love the way that they do their guidebooks, um, over at Heartland. It's just really Mm -hmm. good.
1: And if, if you, uh, if you want a ticket, I have a one for, or one to, uh, give away. So if anyone out there wants one, I think it's, I don't know if it's for a certain programming block or for mm. all together, but if anyone out there wants a code for a ticket, I have one to give away. So sweet slide into those DMS. Yes. Where Message can me? they find you? Oh, um, <laughs> Ben Sears photography.com. Probably the easiest place. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out Indian Indie shorts, uh, film festivals it should be very exciting. Um, let's see. And then we do have some new business to go over, Ben. Uh, cause I keep forgetting to ask you your thoughts on this movie. <laughs> um, you recently saw the movie Sunshine from 2007 yes. from Danny Boyle.
1: How did you feel about it? Um, I liked it. I need to watch it again. Okay. Um, I think if I remember right when I watched it, I, uh, I don't think I watched it all in one sitting Okay. and I think that's one of those that you probably should do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I watched it on my phone, which was not ideal. Okay. Uh, although that seems to be the majority of how I watch movies these days. Unfortunately, yeah. um, kids kind of do that to you. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know I've got a cat. It's, yeah. Yeah.
1: She's pretty demanding of your space. I'm. I'm told. Yes. Um,
0: She's. Let's not mince words. She's a little (laughs) seat thief. (laughs) Um. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh. Yeah. I. I thought it was a really solid, really original concept Mm -hmm. for a sci-fi movie. Um. I was trying to think of what it reminded me of a little bit. Not. It's not a perfect comparison, but maybe. I don't know, Moon? The, okay. I forget who directed it with uh, Sam Jones. Rockwell. Yeah, with yeah. Sam Rockwell. I don't know, just kind of like a, uh, I guess, a quote-unquote hard sci-fi yeah. kind of movie. Um, but yeah, it was really solid. I, I nice. enjoyed uh, Chris Evans and uh, I forget everyone else. Um, <laughs> Killian Murphy, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, everyone else I'm blanking on currently.
0: Uh, Rose Byrne, uh, Cliff Curtis, other people. Benedict Wong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really curious though, cause it's, I think you've said it's like one of your all time favorites, it right? It
0: is definitely one of my all time favorites. And, um, I will put in a quick plug here because, uh, I did, I, so, okay, I don't know how this sounds, but I uh was re-listening to old episodes of Anthology, my solo podcast. <laughs> um On episode 42 of Anthology, I reviewed The Trouble with Templeton from season two of the original Twilight Zone. And my bonus review was of Sunshine, which is funny because the bonus review was a Patreon suggestion from friend of all of the shows, Robert in Utah, who... Uh, donated the rental to you for you to watch Sunshine, so. Thank um, you, Robert. Yeah. So he is, uh, he's a big fan of Sunshine, and as am I. But I would recommend checking out episode 42 of Anthology. Um, just to, just to, you know, just throw that out there. Um, that's at anthologypod.com slash 042. (laughs) Um, but if you don't want to, um, go fuck yourself but also no i'm kidding i'm joking (laughs) please don't um so uh yeah sunshine is really great i i think what i love most about it is just it's like you said it's it's a really good like hard sci-fi movie it's not there is some almost supernatural kind of stuff or like some stuff that kind of pushes the boundaries of science fiction Mm-hmm. But it also kind of completely changes the genre <laughs> two thirds of the way through it anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I think most of all, what I like about it is that it is, it's the kind of science fiction and the kind of story that I really like. It's just a group of people that are trying to solve a problem and they're doing it in like the most logical way. And then mm-hmm. also they're all, you know, confronted with each individual character is kind of confronted with their own like little crisis and, they it's it's really just well done in terms of giving each character a specific arc and then also it plays with a lot of themes of like faith versus uh science and like things like that like the imagery of that last shot i won't spoil it but the imagery of the last shot is just really striking because it's kind of just like this physical representation of that those themes and i think that that was just really well done okay um also the soundtrack the soundtrack is amazing.
1: Hmm. Um, I love it. You know, I think the real reason why you like it, because I, I, this, this isn't really spoiling anything, Hmm. but the main plot is they, the sun is going dark. And so they are sent to send a nuke into the, Hmm. the sun. And I forget which one this was, but at one point over the last four years, Trump uh, yes. floated the idea Jesus of Christ. sending a nuke into a hurricane. Yeah. And let's nuke the
0: hurricanes.
1: I think that's that's probably subconsciously why you love it so I much. I don't you, think that's it. You support the president's thinking no, so much. And not even think a he's a very bit. stable genius. Oh, oh, <laughs> no. I just no. ruined the movie for you, didn't I?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> Um, but it is kind of funny that it's just like the solution to save the, save the sun is to nuke the sun, (laughs) um, which actually does have some scientific ground to it. Apparently like their, um, scientific advisor was, um, Brian, professor Brian Brian Cox, not the actor, but he, (laughs) um, I guess like he consulted on the movie and like, yeah, yeah, it, it tracks, I guess. Okay. Um, Yeah. It, that just reminds me of. Nuke the whales. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. It reminds me of two Simpsons references. One, uh, Nuke the whales. Yep. Uh, Gotta nuke something. Yep. And then, uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns When He Blocks Out the Sun? Oh, yeah. And, uh, specifically, the line where Mr. Burns says, uh, Since the dawn of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. <laughs> 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 oh, so great. Um, so yeah, so that's cool. Um, if you do rewatch it, I, uh, would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you want to borrow the Blu-ray so that Robert doesn't have to Mm. keep, uh, donating money to you, (laughs) you're more than welcome to. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned in that episode of Anthology, not to plug again, but I mentioned that I've bought that movie several times just because like an idiot, the, oh no, not necessarily like an idiot, but the first time I bought it was when it was released on DVD. I didn't see it in theaters because it was kind of a limited release and I didn't get a chance yeah. to see it. Um, and so I bought the DVD and I watched it at work several times. And then I bought the Blu-ray because Blu-ray. Yeah. And then I bought Tiny it on Blu-ray and... And then my PS3 had some kind of glitch or something that made it defective on the PS3. Mm. So I bought, like, a new one or something, and then I got a replacement disc from Sony or something. And then, I don't know. So I bought it a lot of times. Nice. But it's great. Um, how does it compare to other Alex Garland-scripted stuff that you've seen?
1: Um... Let's see, what else have I seen of his? 28 Days Later...
0: 28 Days Later, The Beach, Ex Machina, Annihilation... Yeah. ...and Devs.
1: Um,
0: and, um, um... Never Let Me Go. And Dread.
1: have not seen those last two. Okay. Um... I would still say that... Annihilation and uh, Ex Machina are my two favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, like I said, I need to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe we'll see.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, those are our, th- our thoughts on Sunshine. Uh, let's nuke the sun. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. And then something else that we want to talk about before we get into the reviews for this episode um ben you had floated the idea of doing a top 10 of the year so far and then we dropped it down to top 5 because yeah. it's 2020 <laughs> uh so yeah what what of the movies that you've seen this year that were released this year what sticks out to you
1: um i would say my number 1 as of right now is the assistant nice um yeah. Pre- have you seen that one?
0: Okay. So you remember, Did I, I told you that I rented it, right?
1: You might have.
0: Yeah. I had rented it because it was on sale to rent um, on Vudu for like 99 cents. Okay. Yeah. And then last night I was sitting, settling in to watch one of several movies that I have to watch this week. <laughs> and I went to Vudu and I, was, I saw that The Assistant had 77 minutes left in the rental. <laughs> and I was like... Eh, no, I gotta watch After Hours, yeah. so um, so I didn't watch it, but uh, maybe I'll see it eventually.
1: Well, you're in luck because I believe it comes to Hulu. Oh, nice! I think next Monday, the twentieth. Oh, awesome! Uh, so uh, you've still got a chance, um, but yeah, nice. I, I think that's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Okay, um, and I'm kind of surprised you haven't seen it because it's directed by Kitty Green. Right? Yes. So. And I love
2: kitties. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: uh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm looking it up now to find out exactly when it does, because it's definitely on my radar. Um, okay, it's about um, the uh, oh my god, uh, Weinstein.
1: Yes and no. Or is it He's- a
0: fictionalized account of like something that's like
1: it's. It's, uh, uh, they never say his name, but it basically is uh, his stand-in. Um, and it's very clever how they do it. Um, I, I won't say too much about it, but, um, I, I was really impressed with it. Uh, and then you've watched Ozark. Correct, released one. some of it. I've watched the first season. The girl that plays R- Ruth Langmore yeah. is the star of the assistant. Okay, and she's really solid. Nice. So, um, I really loved her performance, and it just it, the movie wouldn't work without her and her performance. So Sweet. check it out.
0: Awesome, and yeah, that hits Hulu on July twentieth. Okay. Um. So nice. I will definitely have to check that out. I yeah. Feel a lot uh, better now that I uh, completely skipped the rental that I had, <laughs> I have a huge problem with doing that in general. Um, yeah, so that's your that's your top one. What other ones stand out?
1: Um, I really liked uh, a movie that I reviewed for the website Deer Skin. Nice. Um, a French movie about a guy that. Basically, goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vast of Night mm-hmm. talked about last time. Yep. Um, Bloody nose, empty pockets. Uh, yeah. The documentary that I reviewed for the website. Um, let's see. Have you seen Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always yet? I haven't, but I've heard incredible things. Yeah, it's it's uh it's in my top 10 yeah okay. um out of how many movies though uh, yeah exactly yeah well let's well do you have a favorite so far this year so
0: far or? this year i i'm going i'm going kind of strictly by right now just my ratings on letterboxd mm-hmm. so my top five from five to one is Scream Queen, my Nightmare on Elm Street, which I reviewed with Mike a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. which that's just kind of a default number five because I just haven't watched enough. Sure. Uh, number four is Onward, which I should probably rewatch, but you know, it it, it yeah. was solid. Uh-huh. And then number three is The King of Staten Island, which I don't know if I'll really watch again. <laughs> Um, I know I won't. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, number two is The Vast of Night, which I have watched again and have loved again. So uh, that is at least a solid pick there. Yeah. And then number one, uh, just in terms of really alpha, alphabetized, I think, is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Nice. Um
1: Yeah. That one's in, in there as well, at least in the conversation for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And really at this point, I mean, it's, it's crazy because it's July. Yeah. But also circumstances, but, um, it's just crazy that of those five movies, the only one that I like have a strong feel toward is The Vast of Night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like, and yeah, it's, Partially unfair because of everything else that's been going on. Mm. But I feel like last year, but at this point, I had, I don't even know how many, but several more that were almost locks for my top 10 at this point. Um, And I know that, you know, October, November, December, that's Mm. when the big, you know, Oscar plays are going to be coming out. But. I I mean still at this point just the the ones that have come out have been just I don't know just totally forgettable. Yeah, they really um, have. I mean first quarter of the year, you know, is generally when movies kind of get dumped mm-hmm. um but even by that standard that's just been like the the ones that have come out on Netflix have yeah. been just Nothing worth really recommending or even yeah. thinking about too much. Yep. Um, not even really like bad, bad movies, mm-hmm. just kind of just so forgettable. Right. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I'm having a hard time like really getting the motivation to watch a lot of movies, um, that are released now. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of taking this weird world we're in is somewhat of an opportunity to kind of fill in some blanks and gaps in my movie watching and also to catch up on some podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause I've been pumping out so many, so much content this year, but I mean, it's the stuff that I've gotten to see from this year have been just kind of just okay at best.
1: Right. Um And I, I've thought like if these movies came out last year, Mm-hmm. Would these, would they make it into my top 10 at the end of the Interesting. year? Interesting. I don't know if one or two, maybe one or two might, yeah. uh, by the end of the year, but beyond that, I don't know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. And then, uh, I was gonna suggest what movies are we looking forward to, but who knows what the fuck is gonna come out. <laughs> Or when it's going to come out, because um, like I told you before, we were recording. I saw a headline. I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline on Deadline that said um, that the planned August release of Tenant looks unlikely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which isn't a surprise at all, because I, I don't. I just don't know. I don't know how movie theaters are going to open back up, even with um uh, With mask masks mandates and and just like safety measures in place and everything I don't know how cuz even na- even me I don't I don't know if I'd feel comfortable going to the movie theater yeah. um and it's been <laughs> like it's been months since i've been to a movie theater and i love the movie theater so because
1: i think last time i was here we talked a little bit about the imax theater at the state yeah. museum and they've had some pretty solid selections like yeah. i think a week or two ago they had mad max fury road yeah which i would love to see in the theater because i Me didn't too. get to see it when it first came out same but i don't know
0: yeah they had that they had blade runner yeah interstellar is coming up
1: and and you're gonna be first in line either way oh for that, God, one, yes. right?
0: <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's funny because like the way that I the first time I saw Interstellar was in was in that theater yeah. on 70 millimeter. Um, eh, I don't know. I still ne- I need to rewatch it again. I don't know. I have a digital copy of it that Feckus gave me, and we'll we'll see. Okay. So I take it that you haven't been to the IMAX or anything. No. Okay. Have you been? I- because they're also, like, the drive-in has been having some pretty good stuff. Um, have you made your way to the drive-in at all?
1: No. Okay. It's past my bedtime.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were having, like, Amazon Studios or whatever were having the uh,
1: um
0: night or whatever. Um, I don't remember what all it was. But anyway, that's like, it's this Wednesday at, like, 9.30 p.m. And I'm like, ooh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. It's uh, a little late for me. Although, I think I saw that, uh, I think it was a Tibbs drive-in. They're mm. showing Palm Springs at some point. Oh, really? So, check it out. Yes, yes it's on Hulu, but mm-hmm. support your local theaters. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> do, do do what we say, not what we do. <laughs> Go and support drive-ins and everything. Um, man, I don't... Just quick COVID check-in and everything. Do you see it coming back to normal at all at any time? Like what it, cause man, it's, everything is crazy.
1: Uh, around the country, probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I saw this, this is a new headline every single day, it seems, but yeah. Florida posted a new record, I think, yesterday.
0: Yeah. Like 15,000 confirmed uh-huh. cases in one day. Yeah. Which is the most, by a long stretch, the most of any other state obviously yeah. and also the the number was higher than the entire country of South Korea <laughs> in general like the from from the beginning to now the entire amount that they've had yeah is less than what was reported in Florida
1: for one day which is
0: just uh terrifying yeah,
1: yeah. if you really want to get scared look at any bar graph mm-hmm. showing the uh, the calendar year of 2020 and how yes. cases have risen and fallen here in America. Mm. And if you really want to get scared, look at it versus pretty much any other country.
0: Yep, yep. Crazy times, crazy times. So do you want to go into our <laughs> uh, special uh, Ebert's
1: Great Movies
0: reviews? Did we have any other thing to do, go into i got four. nothing okay um all right do you want to go into our reviews then
1: let's do it no name is more synonymous with film
2: criticism than roger ebert's
0: even now my voice is reaching millions throughout the world millions of despairing men women and children
2: people say the film critics have too much power For
0: those who can hear me i say do not despair
2: we can help a movie we can help a movie by sharing our enthusiasm. We can't necessarily hurt a movie that is destined to be a big hit,
0: anyway. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this
1: life a wonderful adventure.
2: And then Roger Ebert gets. What up. I uh,
1: find very offensive and condescending kind of about your statement is nobody would say to a bunch of white filmmakers,
0: "How could you do this to your people In a democracy? Let us all unite!" All right. Awesome. So, as I said before, the concept for this new segment on the podcast is that Ben and I each are going to select a single movie from Roger Ebert's Great Movies list, and we're going to review and discuss them in a special series of podcast episodes. This is part one of that, and there are over 300 (laughs) movies on this list.
1: Now, should we say there's a couple on there that we probably shouldn't do? There's The Birth of a Nation. There's... I think there's the the um, Adolf Hitler Triumph of the Will. Yes, um, that would be
0: a very unique double feature. Though. Oh, oh boy,
1: I've got to say, there's some parts of this country where I'm sure that's happening. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and they can be filmed, and, like the White House, maybe. Yeah, cut yep. that out. No, um,
0: <laughs> no, I. At this point, I don't care.
1: <laughs> um. Oh. There's uh there's a like an 8 hour uh uh documentary about the Holocaust Shoah. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to say we can skip those. Yeah,
0: I would like to see Shoah sometime but that is that is a tall tall order. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's tough. And also they have um in addition to that they have uh Star Wars I mean,
1: Oof. come on, um, stormtroopers, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and plus, yeah. I, well, I don't know. It's the the Ebert website is kind of funky, and it's kind of hard to tell or determine. You know, yeah. it's, The the for, the user interface isn't the most ideal, mm-hmm. and I think they recently changed it to make it less ideal. Yeah. Um, but. I think I saw on, there's there's a bunch of lists on Letterboxd that supposedly have them all listed, yeah. and I think there's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or two in there. Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird. Like, on the list that I'm working off of, or that I found last night and put in the notes um, for this episode was um, Looney Tunes Golden Collection Volume 1. Yeah, Which, okay, that can be
1: kind of... Uh, By the way, right. quick aside: My five-year-old loves the Looney Tunes now. Nice. There, there's the new ones on HBO Max, mm-hmm. and I got him to watch them one day. He loves them.
0: Nice. Was he really up in arms about? Uh, <laughs> oh God,
1: Yosemite <laughs> so Sam and the the shot Elmer Fudd Elmer without Fudd the shotgun, without, without the gun. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: Um So, oh, also that just reminds me that. Um, it was announced today that the Washington Redskins are going to drop the name. Mm-hmm. They're going to come up with something different. And like, I went to the comments just to see if anyone was like dumb enough to put like, they're erasing history. <laughs> um, like the Confederate things. Anyway. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So this time, so I'll, I'll put a link to the, to the great movies list, um, in the show notes as well as the letterbox list that I have, um, for it. Um, it's worth noting that several of these movies are available on HBO. HBO Max and Criterion Channel. And, Canopy. And Canopy, yep. Um, yeah, which Canopy has something that was recently... Oh, um, just an aside. Canopy has, last time I checked, it has um, the documentary Love and Tosha um, about um, Anton Yelchin.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh.
0: That documentary. Uh, it is on Canopy. Canopy is a free... Streaming service you link with your, uh, library card. Um, just, whew. Uh, that documentary is incredible. I highly recommend it. Okay. Yep. So, uh, Ben, this time on this edition, this inaugural edition of Ebert's Great Movies as per the obsessive, we, need, I, I don't, I need to find out like a, like a clean name for it. Like yeah. The OV.
1: Ebert. Ebert.
0: Ebertcon. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We'll workshop it.
0: We will. We will because I think Ebert.
1: Oh yeah, oh, e- Ebert Fest. Ebert Fest. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to. That's think That's a and, real thing already yeah,
0: in uh, Chicago. Um Yeah, the the O V Ebertathon. I don't know. Anyway, uh, our Ebert's great list or great fuck um, <laughs> uh, this inaugural edition of the obsessive viewers Roger Ebert's great movies list review series podcast episode series. So anyway, this time on the podcast we're going to cover 1933's Duck Soup featuring the Marx Brothers and 1985's After Hours directed by Mr. Martin Scorsese. So Ben, the first one that we're going to do, I'm, I I what I think is that what we should do is just do chronologically f- between the picks and everything. So okay. this one uh obviously Duck Soup is first up because it's from 1933. Um The plot summary is, Rufus T. Firefly is named president-slash-dictator of bankrupt Fredonia and declares war on neighboring Sylvania over the love of wealthy Mrs. Teasdale. So this movie stars the four Marx Brothers, uh, Groucho, Chico... Uh, don't alfalfa. look at your phone. <laughs> um, no. uh, I don't know. Cocoa marks um, to throw out a reference to
1: how many <laughs> bang bang. Um I can't remember the other two. Groucho, Harpo. Groucho Harpo. Uh Chico, Chico and Zeppo.
0: Zeppo, okay.
1: Zeppo is barely in this one, so okay. you're forgiven for that one.
0: Yes. I will say just right up right up top, this was my first my first experience watching anything Marx Brothers related, uh-huh. um, and it's interesting because, like, I last year got into a, a, a bit of a kick where I watched a little bit of Charlie Chaplin's stuff from that same kind of era, and uh, Laurel and Hardy um, around the same time, and I like I I really was uh, kind of entranced or or interested in this era of comedy in the history of comedy. So I was excited to watch this. Um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll talk more about it and everything. Um, I will say that it would have been interesting to do, to pair this movie with the great dictator, which is also on the list. Um, but we, we didn't. (laughs) Um, so Ben, this was your selection. What made you, what made you pick duck soup for the inaugural obsessive viewer Ebert's great list? Podcast review series, mini <laughs> series, episode series, um, presented by obsessiveviewer.com.
1: Um, I just, I don't know. I love this movie and nobody else that I know has seen it. So <laughs> I just wanted an opportunity to talk with someone about it. Nice. Um, I, I love it. Uh, I was, it was also my first, uh, Marx Brothers movie, um, so, I, I loved it to begin with. Um, I think I've seen it, I would say at least three times now. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's of the ones that I've seen, it's my favorite. Marx Brothers. Nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. What are the other ones you've seen?
1: Um, I've seen A Night at the Opera mm-hmm. and Love Happy. Which I okay. just watched maybe a week ago mm-hmm. because I I got it from the library and on the cover it says with Marilyn Monroe oh and it's not untrue but it's like one of her first movies that she ever oh, did really? so she's literally in it like she walks in says a couple words and walks out and <laughs> I, I I didn't even really recognize her at first wow um, so. Interesting. Pretty clever marketing on their yeah. part, but, um, <laughs> if you're in it to see, uh, Marilyn Monroe, you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> and that one, I would say I like the least. Um, okay. Because it's definitely the furthest from Duck Soup. Okay. So, and we'll get into it, but Duck Soup is basically just nonstop jokes. Yeah. And this one was a lot more plot driven. Mm. So. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the thing that kind of struck me about Duck Soup is that it is, it is very much, uh, very quick, just joke, 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 joke. um, n- but not in a joke overload kind of way. It was yeah. more just like rapid fire, quick, like sight gags and, and <laughs> punny dialogue, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, like there's one line where one of them says something about, um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was, but they're like, oh yeah, those big steel things that move. And then, uh, I think it's, I think it's Groucho says tanks. And then he's like, you're welcome. (laughs) Just like little things like that. That just, that really got to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is very, like, it was almost jarring because I wasn't expecting it to be just almost, it's almost in a sense of, it's almost, it's almost kind of just a series of vignettes or, or, uh, standalone acts, but a, there is a cohesive story, but it's just, like you said, it's not plot driven by any stretch. Um, but the, the timing of it, it's something that this era of comedy in general, like back, like when, uh, you know, the talkies were just starting essentially, yeah. like, like in between, uh, the silent era and, and, you know, sound was, it seems like this type of comedy, the type of comedy that emerged from that uh, was just that rapid fire, just quick wit and very much like sight gag related kind of thing. And it, it, that was something that I really thought that Duck Soup melded really well was doing the the kind of sound designed ones like dialogue based humor while also marrying that with that silent era kind of uh comedic es- es- uh, escapades yeah. and the timing of it so i i really enjoyed it so yeah
1: um i i need to do a little more research on this but I, from what i remember hearing is that a lot of their early movies the marx brothers the the you know like there's uh the famous mirror scene in this one yes and we'll talk about uh, that that was yes. really cool uh, those are all basically like their vaudeville acts that they yeah. perfected over the years and they just stuck them in their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was, I really loved that and just, yeah. uh, seeing where that stuff came from, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I had seen the mirror thing, uh, you know, uh,
0: parodied endlessly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is pretty much where that came from mm-hmm. as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the, anytime I see like something like this and I see that like, like this is a particular one, which I mean, granted it's, it's been used, um, and referenced countless times in media, but the one that I, that I most associated with now is the family guy one where Stewie is like Stewie and Hitler are doing that. And like, anytime I see that. I just think anytime I see something that Family Guy paid homage to, <laughs> I get this, like, I don't know what it is, but when it's Family Guy specifically, it just feels like Family Guy is just ripping it off way yeah. more than, like, paying homage to it. Yeah. And so, like, every time I see, like, a gag that originated in something else that I know from Family Guy, I'm like, God, that's the laziest fucking show. <laughs> um Because it's just, I don't know. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, what was, what were some of your standout, uh, bits in, in the movie that really, uh, caught you?
1: Um, the one, I, I, I really don't know why, but the, the first time that I, uh, watched it, I just, it cracked me up, uh, just endlessly. There's, there's a moment at the end, uh, where, they're all kind of holed up in this house and war is going on outside of them. And, uh, it's just this very stupid, silly gag where, a a giant, like super Mario type bullet or bomb or something comes flying through the window. And then Groucho Marx's first reaction is to shut the window. (laughs) And I just, I don't know. I just thought that was so stupid and funny Mm. Um, that, and then, um, there's, I, I just love that this, like, nobody ever comments on it, but that closing scene, almost every time the, the camera cuts away, uh, and comes back on him, Groucho Marx is in a different outfit, um. and like, there's one where he's in like a, like a Daniel Boone kind of getup. Okay. There's one where he's like in like a Napoleon type getup. And it's just <laughs> super silly. And mm-hmm. no one, like no one comments on it. No one says anything. So, nice. uh, I just thought that that was just funny and dumb, <laughs> but really smart at the same time.
0: Nice. Um, I really, so when they're in, uh, is house and the and uh uh the other two um
1: chico and harpo yes chico chico, chico is the one that talks harpo has the curly hair and the top hat and he does gotcha. not talk yeah.
0: yes so when they are in the house and they're disguised as firefly like in the lead yeah. up to the mirror scene just the back and forth of that like when like one goes into the room and then and then they have to hide under the bed when the other one comes in and then yeah um what's her name is, is, is confused or having to interact with them. And it's just all just, a just, it's, it evokes a feeling of like what would become like the sitcom trope of just like (laughs) misunderstanding or confusion. Um, but the timing of it and the, the frantic nature of it is just really, really, uh, energetic and funny. Yeah. Um, and a weird connection (laughs) that I made or a weird, I don't know, weird, um, uh, association that I made was that <laughs> I don't know how intentional it is, but it feels like the people who made Three Ninjas in the 90s kind of util, you're like, were inspired by that type of comedy. Okay. Because if you've seen Three Ninjas, there's a sequence where the titular ninjas are having to defend their house from, uh, people that are there to kidnap them. And they're like these surfer dude guys, <laughs> and they basically, do this thing where they go through each room and they're kind of fighting them, but without them knowing that they're there. Um, so it just kind of felt like that, but that was more probably a response to home alone because home alone was even shit. And Yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, but that was probably my favorite sequence just because it kind of builds up to that moment where it's, it's the chaos of it, the chaos of the comedy. Like they've had like scenes like that, like the scene with, with uh, Harpo and Chico with the, the, the aristocratic guy or whoever was like that. It's, it's funny, but it's also like, I don't know why they're doing it, but (laughs) it's funny enough that it's okay. But it's also like, holy crap. Like they're just, they're just messing with this dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, you don't want to think too much about the no. internal logic of it all.
0: Nope. Um but it's still it's still very entertaining. Um and then should we talk about the mirror sequence cuz that's Yeah. So impressive. Um so impressive and just silly and <laughs> there's a moment during it. So basically if you haven't seen the movie and you don't uh you know don't mind spoil we didn't really delineate spoilers and non-spoilers but we're not there's not there's really nothing much to really to spoil. spoil. Yeah, but the mirror scene is Groucho and Chico? All three of them, All three I think, of them, at yeah. some point. Yeah, they are basically uh, on opposite... Like uh,
1: the mirror. There's a mirror the in one of the bedrooms that yeah. breaks. And, and
0: opens up into another room.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's something like that.
0: Yeah, um, which also that shot of whichever one it was running, and running into the mirror and shattering it. <laughs> um, that actually reminds me, I don't know if this was an intentional thing in 1959 but in the first ever episode of the twilight zone where is everybody earl holloman does that same thing like he hmm. is he's in a town that's deserted and there's no one else around and he's running just because he's like frantic like he's he's in a movie theater and the movies start playing and it freaks him out. So he runs down like the staircase and then runs right into a mirror and it shatters. I don't know if that's a reference to that or if that was a conscious thing. But that was interesting that, you know, almost 30 years later, they uh, did that in a different context. But anyway.
1: Twitter.com slash AnthologyPod.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Twitter.com slash OV AnthologyPod. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. And uh, AnthologyPod.com. Anyway. Um, <laughs> don't listen to that first episode, though, because <laughs> <laughs> a little rough. Um, anyway. So if you do listen to that first episode, try to hear where I've spliced in or I've edited out me saying Sterling instead of (laughs) Sterling. And yeah. Anyway, uh so yeah, the mirror sequence is where they're on opposite sides of what would what used to be a mirror and they are imitating each other. And it's kind of almost perfectly choreographed and it's just this this weird, like almost uh dance performance. Yeah. It's We're, totally silent. Yes. Yeah. And the, the sound is completely gone through yeah. that section, which I thought was in, an interesting choice. Um, an in- interesting kind of, I guess, callback to the silent era. Um, I don't know if that was the intention or if there was something else, some other reason for it, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's really well done. And it gets to, it reaches like a farcical level that is just delightful. Cause you think mm-hmm. as it's going on, you're thinking that, oh, okay, well, he's going to find out that it's not a mirror or right. anything. But then when he should find out that it's not a mirror, they're still doing their
1: whole thing. <laughs> and it's just, it's so silly. I don't know. How did you, how did yeah. You and think I, I think at one it. point, like they, they switch places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. They, kind of, they hold hands and then go in a circle. So they're switching spots. In yeah. The it's, it's really good. Um, yeah. how do you feel about that whole sequence?
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, You, you think at first like, okay, this, this can go on for maybe a minute. And then, and then they somehow find a way to escalate it and make it funnier. And, uh, totally worth it. I loved it. Yep. Um, it's, there's a bit, uh, in a night at the opera that's Mm -hmm. pretty memorable as well. But, uh, I would say that the, the mirror sequence in this is, Pretty, pretty up there, nice. as far as I've seen.
0: Okay. Um. So I forgot that I was going to read a, <laughs> a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> before this, but I'll do that before the next uh, review. Um. So, anything else
1: about duck soup? Uh. Well, I. I always. Uh. It just the first time that I found this out. It just blew my mind mm-hmm. that this movie, and I don't know if or which ones, but this one at least was not written by any of the Marx brothers. I heard that. I thought that was just crazy. Yeah. Because Groucho, well, really all of them, they have their own very distinct style mm-hmm. and uh, of not even just talking but delivering their jokes yeah. and the dialogue and everything and to find out that it wasn't written by any of them that was mm-hmm. just insane
0: and it's really interesting because like you said a lot of their bits and it are taken from their vaudeville album. yeah so and and there's not really a plot <laughs> like right. at all in it like there's there's plot but it's it's not dependent on it so it's mostly just it's mostly the comedy beats, and it's just weird that uh, they're not credited as writing it. Um, but it's it's pretty unique. That's yeah. interesting.
1: So uh, yeah. would, would this go on your great movies list?
0: I was going to ask you a question, because <laughs> I want to ask a specific question when we wrap up the reviews. Okay. What I would say – so to kind of wrap up for this segment of this episode of the – Obsessive viewer Roger Ebert's greatest <laughs> great movies list uh presented by obsessiveviewer.com. Um so honestly when I was watching it I was just kind of thinking like okay this is fine it's it's good um but I'm like I just felt like I was more it didn't feel as refined and um Frankly, it didn't feel as clever as like the Charlie Chaplin stuff that I'd seen before or even the Laurel and Hardy stuff. Um, so I kind of had that bias during mm-hmm. it, but kind of talking it out and kind of remembering all the comedic beats and everything, I just, I kind of, in my head, I have come to terms with their style versus the stylings of Chaplin or other comedians of that era. So it's kind of like it's settled in my mind to where I'm, I'm, I like it. I, I don't know if I would be comfortable saying that I would put it on like a great movies list until I see it again. Okay. Uh, to kind of reevaluate it, but it's only 69 minutes long and yeah. it's, I mean, it's a breeze. Like it, it, that it carries the momentum really well, which is something that I'll also say about the next movie, <laughs> but it's something that really, uh, stood out af- after letting it sit in my mind. So, yeah, I would, I would say the jury is out on whether or not I would put it on any great movies list, but it's something that I would be happy to revisit. Um, and it makes me, uh, very much interested in checking out more of the Marx Brothers work. Um, yeah. And everything. Um, how about you? Uh, this is probably a no-brainer question, but would you put it on a Ben Sears' greatest movies list?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Nice. nice. I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. Sweet.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Um, so the question I was gonna ask, the kind of thing that I wanna ask after each of these reviews, in kind of an homage to the man, um, of which we're doing, which by the way, I did not read this thing. So, a quote from Roger, Roger Ebert, um, to, and I'll, I'll try to do this quote. Every time we do one of these episodes at the start of it, but his quote is one of the gifts a movie lover can give. Anyone is the title of a wonderful film. They have not yet discovered here are more than 300 reconsiderations in appreciations of movies from the distant past to the recent past. All of movies that I consider worthy of being called great. Um, so that's, I mean, that's just, I, I just like that. And Roger Ebert was incredible. Nice. But Ben, in homage to the man, duck soup thumbs up or thumbs down <laughs>
1: <laughs> two thumbs up
0: nice same here so that is a thumbs up from both of us And i'm gonna put a note <laughs> on it as well uh yeah so I, I i don't know i was just really tickled that i <laughs> that i thought of that last night i was like oh, we should definitely give like thumb ratings <laughs> um through it which is i i was really excited about it but then i realized like okay it's Roger Ebert's great movies in this. Like right. how many thumbs down thumbs down are we going to have? Which, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be an interesting project for sure. Um so yes, yeah, so that's two thumbs up for Duck Soup from 1933 with the Marx Brothers. And so Bendy, you want to go on to our next uh review for this episode. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, great. So the next movie we're going to be discussing is 1985's After Hours, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. The plot summary is, an ordinary word processor has the worst night of his life after he agrees to visit a girl in Soho whom he met that evening at a coffee shop. Um Yeah, so like I said, this was directed by Martin Scorsese. It is not really available to stream anywhere. I actually no. ended up buying it on Vudu. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and spoiler for the review, but I'm very happy that I did because, man, this movie was really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. So, something that I realized while watching it is that I just picked it just kind of by... I mean, granted, it's been so long since we picked these yeah, movies right. that I don't remember exactly why, why I picked this one, but... I think part of it was just because I really want to watch more Scorsese movies and everything. But something I didn't really even consider until I was watching this movie was that, at least according to the documentary Life Itself, um, Ebert really gave – his his reviews of Scorsese's work really gave Scorsese that push – to become, like, w- his career would not have been the same had it not been for Ebert championing his early movies. Uh-huh. And, I don't know, just purely by coincidence, I just think it's kind of cool that um, I picked uh, a Scorsese movie for the first episode of this project that we're doing. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, that's my way of saying I don't remember why I picked it. <laughs> um, I think part of it is honestly because... It's only like 97 minutes
1: long. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely an outlier in Scorsese's yes. work.
0: And also, um, I'm, I was just very interested in it because of the plot being based around like, oh, one guy's crazy night. Yeah. And that's a kind of plot mechanic and plot device that I gravitate toward. Um, like I've talked about it before. It's, it's a, it's a big, I'm a big fan of, um, like one night, teen coming of age movies okay and this is a kind of it's not a teen movie but it's very much a one night from hell movie um so i was kind of interested in that so ben how did you like after hours and did you see have you seen it before and uh what were your overall thoughts on martin scorsese's after hours
1: uh no i hadn't seen it before and i really enjoyed it um I didn't really know what to expect because I, uh, didn't look at the plot description ahead of time. Nice. Um, I don't, I don't do that as much as I can. Mm. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it was really great. It was, uh, it was an outlier. It was definitely an outlier for Scorsese in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I feel like from what I have seen from him anyway. Um, the running time, the fact that it's, uh, kind of a comedy. Yeah, it uh, is. not an outright you know Marx Brothers level right. comedy, but um, <laughs> there there's definitely some funny stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, so, uh, plus, uh, he's not using. Uh, I don't think he's using any of the actors that he is known for using. Yeah, not. Um, I hadn't even heard of the the main actor griffin mean, griffin dunn, griffin dunn. Yeah, yeah no me neither I never heard of him never i might have seen him in one or two mm-hmm. other things but i can't recall off the top of my head um but yeah it was great uh i don't know uh i i don't think i have uh as great of a love for one night in hell movies like you do oh, yeah. but <laughs> uh i i can appreciate him and i think this was a really solid version of that Um uh, Shout out to Good Time, which is also a One Night in Hell movie. That's right. Which you yes. still haven't seen. I still need to see um, that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm really glad that I saw this. Uh, I don't know if or when we would have gotten to it if it wasn't for you picking it.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know either. I, like, I'm glad that I picked it, too. I really enjoyed it. And just real quick, um, Griffin Dunn has been in a ton of stuff. OK, Um, he is presumably currently um, he's been in 22 episodes of This Is Us. He is going to be in the uh, Wes Anderson movie, The Fresh, French Dispatch, oh. um, which I just remembered we were talking about doing like a retrospective. That seems like a f- like so long ago at this point. <laughs> yes, it does. Holy crap. Um, but Griffin Dunn has also been in Succession, Oceans 8. Uh those are small roles and everything. Um I'm oh, sure
1: he looks totally different now, too. Oh, I'm
0: sure. He was also in War Machine.
1: Okay. Um barely um, remember that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a bunch of stuff. But uh but yeah, uh, after hours, I really, really loved the energy of this movie. So it I mean, it's from eighty five and like Scorsese he was pretty prominent. I mean, he's always been prominent and he's one of the like greatest filmmakers of, of like our time. Yeah. But he, this is when it's still fairly early in his career. Like, I mean, he was, he was pretty prolific in the, in the seventies and everything, but
1: yeah, let's, let's talk about like what, what is, what this movie is sandwiched in between. Yes. Let's see. Right before this is The King of Comedy, Mm -hmm. right before that was Raging Bull, right after this in 86 was The Color of Money with Paul Newman and uh, Tom Um, Cruise. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, So he, I mean, this was, I think Raging Bull was kind of considered like his comeback Mm -hmm. a little bit, Um, at least from what I have heard. Right. Uh, And... Yeah. Did, yeah. did you read uh, Ebert's review about this and kind of the behind the scenes story about it? I
0: didn't. I meant to read the essays for both of these movies, but then I just got, uh, I today was a really busy day at work. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, like, do you want to uh, talk about it a little bit?
1: Yeah. It, I I think it I actually adds a little bit more uh, to the movie that I think is really okay. interesting. So. Uh, apparently he made this, like he was, he was in the process of making The Last Temptation of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, which doesn't come out, uh, finally until 1988. And the, what kind of inspired him to make After Hours is, uh, he was in the process of making Last Temptation. They had like built the sets and they were getting ready to start production on it, and then the studio kind of like yanked it uh, for it. one reason or another. I don't remember. Huh. But so he he had been he had been working on this and getting excited and getting ready to make the Last Temptation of Christ for so long, mm-hmm. and then he kind of made this as kind of a response to that and just kind of like this this griffin dunn character is like uh scorsese stan and he's just getting getting yanked around and just going through hell and
0: that's awesome yeah oh man that is incredible because you can really feel that like that that tension of just like the kind of frenetic nature of the movie like it it is it is very comedic leaning or comedic comedy adjacent yeah um like there are funny bits but it's like he's definitely going through hell but just the way that griffin dunn plays that role and the way like i just read in the trivia that uh martin scorsese told him to uh uh refrain from sex and sleep as much as possible (laughs) so that he could really get like that type of performance out of him yeah and like the way that it's not even necessarily so much the escalation of everything, but it's just the, uh, compounding nature of it. So, like, everything that happens is, for the most part, equal to each other, or, like, like him, him, uh, find, like, like, uh, um, him, him going to the, the, the apartment and to To get the key and then him going back to the waitress's apartment and stuff. Like the things that he does, they just kind of compound upon each other. They, it can, it piles up and everything. Like there are certain escalating events in it that really heighten it, but it is more just building off of the previous encounter and everything, which is something that I really appreciated. And also I think it's kind of unique that (laughs) just by pure coincidence, we both picked a movie that is comedy focused and has that feel of almost a vignette kind of collection of things, like okay, the kind of like that, an episodic yeah. kind of structure. Oh yeah, so I think that, that was pretty. That was that was pretty interesting uh, in terms of a coincidence. So, um, yeah, I just I really loved this movie. Yeah, um, it was when he's in the cab and, um scorsese does this thing a couple of times in this movie where it's like he speeds up the film to give the impression of just reckless driving yeah. um like it's like it's almost it's almost like it's missing the benny hill music <laughs> um but it is it is very uh it's jarring because it is this heightened um just like surreal kind of thing it brings you into this Surreal reality that Griffin Dunn's character is in. Like he's on the surface, everything is pretty normal for the most part. But the things that happen to him and the people that he encounter are like just so off the wall. And while still being somewhat grounded, that yeah, that, I don't know. It's just, it's a really really interesting tightrope for the movie.
1: That's um, the key yeah. that it's still grounded and not yeah. There there's another version of this where something. Unbelievable happens, yeah. and and it kind of takes you out of it. Yep, uh, just to try and escalate the the tension and mm. the stakes and everything. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, this one uh, it it's mostly believable believable yeah. Uh, events.
0: Yeah, like the the impetus of all of the things that happen to him are pretty just straightforward. Like he just happens to meet this woman in a in a coffee shop and then he just or or diner, I guess, but what's the difference? Um and then he uh like he finds this waitress at this bar and then he meets the bartender and they exchange keys so that he can go do a favor for him. That just seems super just like on the level but also kind of weird.
1: Right, yeah. Um
0: it's just slightly surreal and weird. Um, Right. Yeah, and I I really think that that complemented just the the crazy reactions and the crazy circumstances that he just gets himself into. But also Griffin Dunn's performance, like the way that he he's constantly saying, like how he just wants to get home and everything. Yeah, it's it's so just genuine, but also still grounded in this reality. Like it's set up in a way that's like, uh, like the it's doesn't feel contrived like any of the, any of the times that he gets kind of um, pushed up against a wall in terms of, of his way to get home is just pretty straightforward and and grounded in reality, even though it's overall pretty surreal.
1: And the way that there's little details here and there that, uh, that kind of get interwoven with every different character and this different storylines And, uh, like the, what is it? Is it like a ceramic or a plaster Uh, bagel or something? Yeah. Paperweight
0: cream cheese bagel. Yeah. Or something like that. The
1: way that that comes back, that's, that's great. Um, and there, there's other examples, but I can't really think of them off the top of my head, but the, the different ways that, uh, that it, it all gets connected Mm -hmm. a little bit.
0: Yeah, it seems, it seems like all the interconnectivity is, it seems like a stretch. Like the way that certain characters factor into other characters' lives that he just happens across and everything. But that's part of the charm of it is that he's in this it's almost like he's in a, uh, just a, a weird alternate universe where everything <laughs> is conspiring against him getting home. Right. And it's just, I don't know. And I, again, I just loved, uh, Griffin Dunn's, um, performance. That this harried, just increasingly, um, uh, uh, increasingly, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Increasingly frantic and, um, aggravated and anxious uh, performance that's just it's so good and the way that the the way that the movie again like well i guess we can go non-spoilers for for this but the way that it wraps around and the way that the ending comes about is particularly satisfying and i just i really loved it for that I, i really really enjoyed this movie um i think i well uh we can save ratings for later but um, I really enjoyed it, and yeah the way that it all kind of wraps around and, and comes together is is really satisfying um also cheech and Chong are in this movie
1: <laughs> yeah, they sure are yeah
0: <laughs> i it was they were fine um uh <laughs> they they seemed like the most zany of all of the characters, mm-hmm. and we're talking about a movie that has a like ridiculous mob that goes after uh Paul in the movie, but they seemed like caricatures to an extent, but the way that the movie kind of reconciles their character their main character trait and brings it together is just really something that I found really satisfying the way that it the way that all of the uh the interactions and the interconnectivity of the characters and the c- scenarios and stuff just it came about and came together in a really satisfying and and felt like an organic way mm-hmm. um yeah which did you find the bit about the ending yes
1: okay. and it is kind of spoilery but okay. i'll just say um when he started filming it, he didn't have an ending.
0: I saw that in the trivia, but yeah. yeah. Um, does it say how he came about the ending? Because the trivia that I read was that he couldn't figure out a suitable ending for the film. He ended up asking Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg, and Terry Gilliam to watch the film so they could give their opinion on how it should end. Does <laughs> it say like how he came to... Get to that ending? Uh,
1: not that. He, well, he just said, uh, he showed it to his father. Well, Mm. he, he had filmed one version of the Mm -hmm. ending, and then he showed that version to his father, and his dad was angry about it, and so he changed it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I had, uh, I had seen that apparently there was an alternate ending, um, that was shown at maybe a test screening, um, and the test audience hated it. <laughs> okay. Um, it, nah, I won't say what it was. Um, but yeah, uh, and that's what led to the, what I thought was a very perfect kind of ending for, for yeah. the story. Um. Yeah, I was really, really satisfied with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that you went into it not knowing anything about it. Um yeah. Do you usually do that? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Nice. As
1: much as I can.
0: Nice. I'm always kind of nervous to do that.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't work out so well.
0: Yeah. So would you put this on a great movies list of your own? I think so. Nice.
1: I mean, one thing that we will probably talk more in depth about uh, in the future is it's hard to tell exactly what makes uh, what movies made his list and what didn't, um, they're not necessarily the most well-known like this Mm -hmm. one. It's not the most well-known of Scorsese's movies. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of them that were foreign, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot that were, I don't know, indie, indie filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to tell what made what he loved about him. Yeah. Uh, and then so, yeah, why not?
0: Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would probably again, I would probably have to rewatch it a couple of times, but it's a movie yeah. that I do think that I would revisit, especially now that I own it on Voodoo, which, by the way, it is available on Cinemax. If you have like an add on subscription on Amazon or a Cinemax subscription elsewhere. But it is available to stream there currently as of this recording. And uh, I would probably end up putting it on a list as well. Um, I don't know if it would break, like, my top 100 of all time or anything right. like that. Right, yeah. But I was just really impressed with it. And, um, yeah, how does it compare to the other Scorsese movies that you've seen?
1: Um, I would say fairly high up there. I'm a pretty big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um and i have not seen all of his movies but mm-hmm. you know i've seen the bigger you know obviously goodfellas uh yeah. taxi driver um i was a big fan of the irishman last year mm-hmm. um so i yeah I'd, I'd probably put it fairly high up there
0: nice um i would too i i would say cuz scorsese he is someone who Anytime I see one of his movies, I can I can recognize that whole like holy crap, this is one of his like this is one of like America's great filmmakers. Yeah, for sure.
1: And 100%. and this one we didn't really talk about it, but this one definitely has his kind of trademarks. Yeah, uh, like with the camera movements mm-hmm. and the. The musical cues, um, yes. So yeah, it, it's definitely a Scorsese movie. Yeah, uh, oh, even yeah. if it's not, you know, the subject matter is mm. different.
0: He does this thing
1: where he just zooms through a scene with the camera that mm-hmm. I
0: think is just really hypnotic and immersive. Um, I just really love that style, and it's it's really prevalent in this movie, and I really appreciate it. Um, but the thing that, like, whenever I see a Scorsese movie, for the most part, it's like. It can be a little emotionally draining, um, just because of the subject matter. Like, right. Goodfellas or The Irishman or uh, Taxi Driver is a movie that I, I've seen maybe once or twice in my life and I just haven't revisited it because it just seems like such a, such a, I don't want to say daunting thing, but it just seems like this is a bleak, bleak movie. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. You got to work yourself up to it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and this, This movie has its bleakness and its own, like, tone, but it's also, it has that kind of comedy aspect to it that I didn't really expect from a Scorsese movie, and a lot of that is, is due to just the, uh, the circum, the circumstances that the character finds himself in, and also the performance of Griffin Dunn, I think was, he carried that tone really well, and it really, uh, came through to a point where you care about the character but it's also like you can't wait to see what he gets into next. Right. Um it's just a very very f- fun uh romp, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um all right, any other thoughts on After Hours?
1: I think I've said it all.
0: All right. So once again, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up thumbs up for me too. So that is that. Um two thumbs up for after hours. Um uh it's just it's weird saying that. For, <laughs> uh like two thumbs up. That's the cuz you know that's uh trademark. But anyway. <laughs> uh yeah, those are our first two reviews of of the obsessive viewer Roger Ebert's great movies uh list podcast episode mini series on the Obsessive Viewer podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Part one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So let us know what you thought of After Hours and Duck Soup. And um, let's see. So, Ben, we need to pick the movies that we're going to do next time. Yeah. Um, I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe a few weeks or so. We'll see. We'll play by ear. Um, I have mine lined up, although I've got to admit that I've been thinking about changing it up but I'm, i'll save that <laughs> for a later one um as a small hint uh i want i wanted to pick one that i gifted you a lot of the dvds for oh okay um because i was looking through like hbo max and the list and everything and i was like i could i can make them watch a, a, a us. <laughs> I, I
1: still have yet to watch any of those unfortunately <laughs> nice. so okay. i'll i'll take it nice
0: but we'll save that for a later one because I, I have one in the chamber. But I want to know your pick
1: first. Okay. I uh, kind of waffled uh, with maybe two or three. Um, and there's no real reason why I am going to pick this one. Okay. Other than um, it, it seems there. this filmmaker uh, has, I think, at least two films on this list. Um, so, uh, but it's called, uh, Tokyo Story. Oh, okay. From 1953 by Yasujiro Ozu. Nice. Um, Okay. Uh, it is available on Canopy and HBO Max. Nice. So, um, we, we pretty much made a point this time to pick something that is streamable. So, um. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it.
0: Sweet. Um, yeah, that's been on my radar because, and I meant to mention this before, but, uh, so, like, months ago, I was on a very big, um, criterion collection kick. Um, so I bought a bunch of criterion collections. And I was like, oh, Tokyo Story. I could maybe watch that too. I could grab that. I didn't, but, uh-huh. uh, then HBO Max happened. <laughs> and so many of the movies that I bought are on HBO Max. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that'll be interesting to in, interesting to watch and, and discuss with you. I'm I'm and looking forward to that. He's a
1: contemporary of Kurosawa, right? He, I believe so. I don't know if I've seen any of his movies. The other one, uh I forget exactly. I think it's called Floating Weeds. Okay. Maybe. Mm,
0: I don't know. Uh, he did Late Spring, Early Summer, Early. Yes. Autumn.
1: Yeah. Floating Weeds.
0: Okay. I'm looking through his filmography now. Floating Weeds. There we go. Um, let's see. He was definitely a contemporary of, of Kurosawa because they were working at the same time. I, I've never seen any of his movies, it seems. Yeah, me um, neither. Wow, that's interesting. Um, huh. Wow. So, yeah, Tokyo Story. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, should I should I read the plot summary or should we keep it? Yeah, that? go ahead. Okay. Okay. Tokyo Story 1953 is an old couple visit their children and grandchildren in the city, but receive little attention. Okay. (laughs) That sounds, uh, that sounds intriguing. So shall I, uh, reveal my pick? Yep. Okay. So I don't know if you've seen this movie, but, um, I think given the world that we live in, (laughs) uh, this would be an interesting uh, movie to watch and discuss from 1976 directed by sydney lumet it's network
1: have you seen oh network? i have i okay. love it nice yes.
0: nice uh plot summary when veteran anchorman howard Beale is forced to retire his 25 year post because of his age he announces to viewers that he will kill himself during his farewell broadcast network executives rethink their decision when his financial tirade or fanatical tirade uh, results in a spike in ratings and this movie is also available to stream on HBO Max and I, I think say, that's it
1: it was on Netflix but I don't think it's there anymore
0: right yes yes you're right um, yeah it was on Netflix but not anymore but it is available on HBO Max which I highly recommend checking out because there is a ton of stuff on HBO Max um, yeah Hey guys, Matt here, just cutting into this episode real quick to let you know that the day after we reviewed or the day after we recorded this um, episode, uh, Network left HBO Max and it is not available to stream anywhere right now. Um, I thought about changing it up and picking something else, but I think given the subject matter of Network and how it can relate to uh, our current day uh, society or what have you. Um, I think it'll make for an interesting conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and stay with it. Um, it is available to rent on pretty much all the digital platforms and everything. And, uh, unfortunately it's not available on HBO max. So I just wanted to cut in and let you guys know that. Um, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, do you want to do a potpourri section or should we close it out? It's your show. Oh, okay. (laughs) Pressure's on me. Um, Let's do. Let's do a potpourri section. Let's do a potpourri section. All right. So we're gonna close out this episode with a probably brief potpourri segment. Uh, if this is your first time listening. Potpourri is a section of the podcast where. We close out the episode with uh, discussing briefly something we've watched or something we're looking forward to. Anything we want, as long as it smells good. It's potpourri. So, Ben, what do you have for potpourri in this episode of the Obsessive Viewer podcast?
1: Um, I will talk about a documentary from uh, this year called uh, The Painter and the Thief. Okay. Um, It's uh, on Hulu right now. Um, and I, it's, it's a, let me, give me a second here to Hmm. pull it up on IMDb, because I'm sure whatever plot description I come up with wouldn't be doing it justice. Have you seen it?
0: I have not. Okay. Um, Is that the documentary that you messaged me and Tiny about?
1: Yes. Okay. Okay, so IMDb plot description. An artist befriends the thief who stole her paintings. She becomes his closest ally when he is severely hurt in a car crash and needs full-time care, even if her paintings are not found. But then the tables turn. So, it's a, a, a documentary. Uh, I think it takes place in Sweden or Norway. Okay. Um, one of those countries that Trump loves so much. <laughs> um not a uh, shithole country though. <laughs> no. Um and yeah, it, it starts out this this uh semi famous uh artist in um Norway, whatever, mm-hmm. um has her some of her most highly regarded paintings stolen just in broad daylight. And very early on, and it's not a spoiler, uh they catch the, uh, one of the guys that did it, and I think they catch both of them. Um, and she goes to the trial of one of them and just tries to ask him, like, what did you do with it? Why did you steal my paintings? Um, I, I just want them back. And he, it turns out he's like, he's a drug addict and he doesn't even remember taking them. So huh. he's of no help to her. And then, they form this friendship and uh he like poses for a a, pa- a couple of paintings for her and he almost becomes her muse and it's really wow. really interesting uh dynamic between the two of them cuz at first you think it's like a it could be like an antagonistic kind mm-hmm. of thing and i'm sure uh that's probably what i would have done but <laughs> um I, I just thought it was really fascinating, just the human story about it and just how they're kind of almost codependent on each other. Okay. Um, she, she, like, she could have easily just kind of, okay, he, he doesn't know about the painting. So why, why should I even continue talking to him? Hmm. But she continues keeping up with him almost to her detriment. Um, and it's, it's just a really interesting look at like not judging people by how they're first presented, you know? Um, cause it's, it's pretty easy to say like, Oh, he's just a druggie and mm-hmm. he has, he's going nowhere in his life. And why, why even bother doing a story about him? Um, plus I, I don't know why, but I always like movies and documentaries about artists and just this one isn't so much about the creative process, but I always just like just watching, you know, painters paint or uh, artists creating something. So that part was was pretty interesting to me. So, Yeah.
0: That's interesting. It's called The Painter and the Thief. Correct. Okay. And it is
1: currently on Hulu. Correct.
0: Okay. Nice. Um,
1: also, I should add mm-hmm. uh, about like the Trump thing. I, this, oh, yeah. this, almost this whole movie, I just kept thinking like, there's no way this, this movie would, be one hundred percent different if it took place in America. Oh yeah. Just not only because of the the way that we treat each other and mm-hmm. we look down on criminals, but the way that the yeah, criminal no. justice system works and uh there's there's a section of the movie where he goes he ends up going to jail mm-hmm. and just the, the look inside his life in, in prison is just uh, a 180 from how it is here. Wow. Yeah.
0: Huh. Check it out. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll definitely have to check that out.
1: I'd say it's top 10 worthy. Okay. We'll see if it makes the end of the list, but. Nice. Yeah.
0: Um, let me see what I have for potpourri. Um, okay. I'll talk briefly about uh, 13 reasons why. <laughs> Okay. So, have you watched any of the show at all? No. Okay, so it's not good. Um, <laughs> it's, I will say that the first season was pretty okay. Um, it was pretty solid, it was interesting, it dealt with some pretty intense issues and, and, and subject matter and, and stuff. I really in, enjoyed it quite a bit. Each subsequent season has been kind of just down on my, in my eyes. But this one is the final season, it's season four, and man is it just not anywhere near, like it's nothing, it, it's it's so, it feels so inconsequential, <laughs> and I'm only like five episodes in, I've talked about it on Patreon, actually no, I haven't talked about it on Patreon yet, because those are in episodes that are going to come later, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so... Um, I will talk about it on Patreon later in more depth, but these first, like, five episodes, it's just the kind of main, um, dramatic tension throughout the series has been, like, uncovering mysteries. And, like, the first season was about, like, like, what happened to this girl who killed herself? Like, what happened and, and what, uh, what pushed her in that and to, to, uh, to, commit suicide and everything. And so a lot of it is just unraveling mystery and unraveling like, like truths about people that you don't know that, that you didn't know were true and everything and kind of putting together this nonlinear story and timeline. And then season two kind of did the same thing, but also by taking what we knew from the first season and flipping it on its ear somewhat and kind of telling more sides of the same story. And then season three was a whole mystery about a dead uh, classmate and so those are all interesting enough hooks especially mm. for like a teen drama right but the fourth season is all so far it is all just the main character dealing with the psychological effects and the mental uh his his kind of fragile mental state uh, as a result of everything that's come to this point. So there's no real propulsion to the story in terms of mystery or intrigue. It's all him and his group of friends trying to make sure that their secrets are still kept secret. But that's not... Not enough happens to trigger them into panic mode. Like, there are little bits here and there, but it just seems like most of the time it's just Clay Jensen being like, oh, I'm nervous about this. I'm scared <laughs> about this. And that's it. Um And then for some reason, I have no idea why, the show thinks it's a horror show. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they have, like, characters having visions of dead characters that are haunting them. And, like, visions of, like, really deadly scenarios and stuff That's plays, like, a hallucination scene from a kind of mid or lower tier horror movie that's dumped in the summer or something um it's just it's kind of just a complete mess and uh some the episode that i finished like a week or two ago ends on a cliffhanger that first of all it has like the the technique to show this cliffhanger, it's it's an accident of some kind. I'll say that. Um, it's so just sloppy and, and poorly done. Like, it's all CGI and it's just really goofy looking. But it involves, like, the one character that I am latching onto as someone who is actually entertaining this season. But it's like, this person is in, like, mortal danger. And I'm just like, I don't... I'll see the next episode when I see the next episode. <laughs> like, yeah. I just... I'm good. Um, but yeah, so that's 13 reasons why season four, it's, it's something. Um, is yeah. that
1: the show that I think Netflix canceled and then people got angry about it and they uncancelled it?
0: No, uh, Netflix never canceled. No. Okay. No. Um, there was some outcry over the subject matter and they ended up yeah. editing like the, the suicide scene from season one. Okay. Um, so it wasn't as graphic, which I can respect that, but man, that scene was rough. Like it was, it was really (laughs) intense, Um, but not really in a glorified way. Yeah, but but yeah, like there's a whole subplot in the third season where uh, this group of very um, aggressively, um, the like aggressive like um, feminists. I guess, which I count myself as a feminist, but like, this is like, like their whole arc throughout the season is like, we need to cancel. We need, we need, (laughs) we need to convince the school board to cancel all boy sports, (laughs) like blanket statement. Oh boy. Um, and it was just like, it was like really just hokey and weird. (laughs) Um, and kind of silly, but yeah, so that's 13 reasons why. Um, yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer. I believe
1: um, can I oh. Oh. do a quick uh, quick plug for my fundraiser? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I keep forgetting to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have very graciously uh, mm-hmm. shared my uh, running fundraiser update mm-hmm. thing, basically. Uh, so basically, I I uh, run the drumstick dash here in mm-hmm. Indy every year uh, for the past four or five years. And that's uh one of the ones that's on Thanksgiving. It's um their mission, downtown mm-hmm. Indy, which uh is a homeless shelter for men and women. Um so this the drumstick dash is their main way of raising money throughout the year. Um and so what I'm doing is I I have a personal fundraising page and uh, what I have been doing is, uh, for every dollar that gets donated to my fundraising page, I will run one mile. So if, uh, someone donates $20, I'll run 20 miles. If someone donates five, I'll run five miles. Um, not all at once, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, just whatever it takes. Nice. Um, so if, if anyone out there is listening and feels compelled to, uh, make a donation. Um, I can, uh, the, the, I have a link in all of my social mm-hmm. media. So just check it out there.
0: And I'll definitely put a link in the show notes of this episode, which will be found at obsessive viewer.com slash O V three one nine.
1: Okay. Yeah, cool. That'll do it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for joining me for this inaugural, um, episode of this special podcast series within the obsessive viewer podcast. So it's the obsessive viewer podcast. <laughs> Roger Ebert's Great Movies list review series on the podcast, on the Obsessive Viewer podcast, sponsored or uh, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Yeah. Um, so thank Got you for it. joining me on this. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Uh, at some point, we'll do the next entry in this series where we'll be talking about Tokyo Story from 1953 i think Mm -hmm. and network from 1976 so both of those are available on hbo max and go check those out and we will come back to the show later at some point and talk about them uh ben thank you so much for joining me and yeah also check out ben's reviews on the website obsessedviewer.com slash ben dash sears or ben sears i don't remember how it is um (laughs) Uh Yeah. Anyway, it's on the website. So yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us or for listening to us and uh, we'll see you next time. And now here's a short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com obsessiveviewer obsessive and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy.
1: Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that's that's normal cat behavior. Yeah, I just. I By the understand. way, is would a zoo be considered school for pets? <laughs> I want,
0: huh? I want to say yes, but that might also be prison. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> what's the difference? Right,
2: that's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV Archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike white. That's me at R a fecus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at TeePublic.com, tee For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to ObsessiveViewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Kitty!